to Thrive. Uh, we're excited to have everybody here. Um, Thrive is our midweek service, which um, where we just come together and we, sh we share the word of God. All right, so we welcome everybody, and especially those of you that are joining us for the very first time today online. Uh, God bless you, and thank you for joining in. Uh, we are positive, we are excited, and we, are, we know for a certainty that uh, as you have joined today, God will speak to you today in the mighty name of Jesus. Uh, you will open your ears so that you will hear as you ought to hear, and you will see as you ought to see it in the mighty name of Jesus. And so shall it be in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. All right. Um, if you've been following us in Tribe in the last few weeks, we started a series on the study of the book of Ephesians. And today we will be, kick, uh, we'll be continuing. In, the, in that study. So we'll be reading, or we'll, take, we'll be studying the text, Ephesians chapter 2, uh, beginning from verse 9 all the way to the end. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 9 all the way to the end. By the way, I didn't remember to ask, how was your day? Hope your day went very well. Glory be to God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 9 all the way to the end. I will read. It says, Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You are called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when, in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating himself, by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility towards each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you, Gentiles, who are far away from him, and peace to the Jews who are near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us, a temple for the Lord. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. May the Lord bless the reading of his word and the hearing in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity to speak, to share your word. Pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you will breathe upon every word that comes out of my mouth today in the name of Jesus. You will minister to souls in the name of Jesus. That I will be speaking of my flesh, but I will be speaking as directed by you in the name of Jesus. They will hear only what they want, what you want us to hear in the mighty name of Jesus. Honor and glory we give unto you, Lord. 
In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. So if I was to title today's uh, message, I, 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 would, I would say um, salvation. How much? It's a question. Salvation. Then how much? If I was Ibo, I would say egole. <laughs> I hope I pronounced that well. You know, because that's, that's essentially the summary of what we just read now. The meaning of salvation, how, how, how we were all saved, uh, whether we were saved as Jews or were saved as Gentiles. It's all today all talking about salvation. But as a summary for the entire script, uh, length of the scripture that we read, there are a few things that, that generalizes that we can just um, see playing out. Number one is that all of us, every one of us, Jews, Gentiles, we were all children of wrath, saved by grace. We're children of wrath, saved by grace. None of us, have, uh, none of us had good behaviors that could save us, or none of us was saved because of our good behavior. Meaning, meaning that how good we are, how nice we are, did not in any way influence or could not in any way have interpreted to our salvation. Our being just could not even on its own have led to our salvation. Jesus is the one that had to pay the price. The grace of God is the only thing that saved us, that could have saved us, and that's why Jesus came to pay the price. The second thing that we need to know here is that before Jesus came, there were two main different groups of people in the world. There were the Jews and there were the Gentiles. But whether we're Jew, whether we're Gentiles, we had a common problem. And the common problem was sin. There was a great need to bring together those who loved and feared God. That is, the, in quotes, the Jews who believed that they owned God. God was their own, and they had to, they, they, they loved him the, uh, the way they knew how to love, which was at that time, follow the law. Just follow the law. So long as you follow the law and you do everything, you know, follow, follow the law could also mean that, oh, you want to commit, you, you, you commit a sin. For every sin com uh, committable, God already created a law as a remission for that sin. You know, I, I, you know, we learned in the past from Pastor where we, the, the people of Israel at that time, what some of the things that they would do was that, let's say, for example, fornication. You see a man looking lustfully, pursuing a woman that is not his wife, wants to fornicate. And he knows that, ah, the penalty for this sin of fornication is a, a he goat. So he will first of all say, okay. I can't resist this sin. This is the price. A he goat. How much is it? 50,000 naira. Yeah, I don't have 50,000 naira. Okay, let me go and hustle. So he goes to hustle, does what he needs to do, makes money, buys the goat, then carries the goat to the woman's house, does the, commits the sin, does what he needs to do, then as soon as he comes out, he says, okay, maybe that's what God requires. Yeah, he goat sacrifice i'm pure i'm clean and he walks away with no form of guilt or remorse that was the way they were living there but jesus had to come to meet with those that felt they knew god and those that also did not know god those ones right now were the gentiles idol worshippers people that just didn't believe in jesus or didn't believe in a god they had their own gods christ had to come to meet these two different groups of people because they had, we had the same com common problem. The thing that separated the Jews from the Gentiles was the law of commandments in ordinances. This law had not solved the problem of sin for the Jew. It only highlighted the problem and gave them a promise of a solution. The cross of Christ was the solution for both the Jews and the Gentiles. Amen. 
Christ had to come to abolish the old dividing covenant law and replace it with his new covenant law, the gospel of peace. And now through the, new, through the cross of Christ, both the Jews and Gentiles can now be united into one body. Praise God. So the third thing we need to understand also is that to, we, we all have access to the Father through the Son in the Spirit. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are united in working together to save us. Christ suffered on the cross. The, this, the Spirit disseminated the message of the cross in order so that we can have access to the Father. Synergy of the Father, the Son, and in the Holy Spirit. So with this as our background, there are five things that happen in these scriptures. Five things that, which are called the five uh, priceless, well, we can say the five priceless things, or we can say the five priceless C's, because all of them start with the letter C. The first one is the, pri I'll say, the priceless creation. The priceless creation. Ephesians 2.10, Ephesians 2.10, I'll read very quickly again. We've already read it, but I'll just read it since it's like the anchor for this particular topic. It says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. We are God's masterpiece. Paul emphasizes the newness in our creation in, in John 3, uh, 3 to 5. Paul emphasizes it. John 3, 3 to 5. He says, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom. Sorry, it was, John, it was Jesus that emphasized it there. He says, Jesus replied, says, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. There was emphasis being made on the newness of our creation. Because our soul, which is our identity, has to be reborn for us to be able to walk in, in the fullness of what God proposed for us. For us to be able to understand and walk in the, and see and understand the, the, how, how priceless the new creation is. We have to have it in our mind that we are the day we say we give our lives to Christ, we are no longer the same. We are technically reborn. That's, I mean, they say born again. Yes, we are technically reborn. In every person, there is a soul, there is a spirit, or, or a spirit. And this, uh, we, we were created in the image of God. God is the one, after he created the body, that he looked and said he breathed a breath of life. This breath of life was the spirit of God that activated our souls. So our souls is unique to everybody. Everybody has a unique soul. The spirit of God is one, but we all have a unique soul. This soul of ours is the gift, is the spirit of life, is the gift of life that God gives directly to every individual. So this now makes man to be like a spirit that has a soul and lives in a body. The spirit of man is what directs the soul and determines where the soul will be for eternity. What we feed our spirit on is what will us, what we do with our soul. Our, our soul is, is the part of us that once God gives you, it is yours for life. And when I mean life, I don't mean this life alone. I mean eternal life. So we, we, from the day God gives us that soul, we have control over where, or where our soul is, is, is destined to go. We have control. God created us anew so that we can do the things he planned for us from beginning. When we were, when we were being given the soul, we, we, we didn't have the manuscripts for our lives. The manuscripts for our lives is actually what, is, what, what God, himself, God himself wrote them, not us. But a lot of times we struggle with, we struggle with following the script. We struggle with living a life that pleases God. And that is actually, when we deviate, that's when we sin. 
when we miss the target, that's when we sin. That's actually where, where, where the word sin comes from. You know, pastors talk to us about this. When you look at those concentric circles, as those guys that throw the that it at. When you miss your target, the more you miss it is how much sin you have committed. So when we go away from the plan of God for our lives, that's when we say that we have sinned. Our soul is priceless. What shall it, Matthew 16, 26 says, What shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? What shall a man give in exchange for it? That is how important it is. The scriptures takes the, each individual soul, each person's soul, this thing that makes you to be alive, this thing that makes you to be identified as, uh, as, as Kunle, that makes you to be identified as Choma, as Moralake, as whatever your name is, that soul, what will you exchange for it? Is it just going to be a piece of bread? Is it going to be a house in Banana Island? Or is it going to even be the whole world that you will take on its air maximum 150 years? Then what next? What next? What, what comes after that? Because there is life after this life. Amen. So our soul is priceless. And, and the Bible says that the soul that sins is the one that will die. Is the rule of life. Ezekiel 18.4 says, For all people are mine to judge, both parents and children alike. And this is my rule. The person who sins is the one who will die. So the truth is that... We, we, we have no answer to that question about what shall we exchange? What shall we give in exchange for our soul? God tells us so kindly that he will pay the price that we cannot pay. The price for that our soul. God is saying that he, will, he has already paid it. And the price is the blood of his only begotten son. Number two, the, the five priceless seas, the five, five priceless things. That's a tongue twister, five priceless, five priceless things. Five, five priceless things, yes. <laughs> Number two, the, the priceless covenant. The priceless covenant. If you need a chance to... Um, I'll read 1 and 2, also 12. It says, once you are dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world. Obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world, he is the spirit that works in the heart of those who refuse to obey God. In those days, verse 12 now, in those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from the citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises of God Covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. Meaning that yes, you were living in this world, but you don't, you did not understand the covenant, the covenant that God made for us, the covenant that God made towards us. Because I, I'm saying towards us because a lot of times we 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 mix up understanding uh, of the meaning covenant and we mix it up with agreement. We often hear the word covenant explained as an agreement. This can be very misleading if we think that the covenant is something that you can negotiate. Because in an agreement, when there's an agreement between two parties or two people, what happens is that everybody brings their cards to the table and says, okay, I'll do A, you do A. If you do A, I'll do B. If you do A, and on and on like that, then you reach a mutual agreement, you both sign and you go on. But that's different from the covenant. The covenant is handed down to us by God. And mankind has no say in the terms or the conditions or the requirements of the covenant. But it's a good covenant. It does, however... This covenant, it does, however, require our agreement, consent, and obedience if we are to be saved by it, by this covenant. So the covenant is out there. God is saying, this is my covenant for you. This is my, 
what I want to happen to you. This is my plan for you. Priceless covenant. If you want to walk in this covenant, that is the only time that you have to agree to the terms of the covenant. You have to consent to it and you have to be willing to obey the terms of the covenant. You are not going to be able to come in and say, no, 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 no. Uh, okay, I've gone through the contract. I don't like this clause. Take out this clause. No, it doesn't work that way. You take it as it is. You take it as it is. Jesus has died for you. There's nothing else you need to do. Take it as it is. Don't add extra to it. God has promised you'll be the head and not the tail. That's your covenant. Take it as it is. He says he will give you the hidden. The hidden riches of secret places and the treasures of darkness. Take it as it is. Take it. If we refuse an, our agreement and do not obey, then the covenant condemns us. This is because a lack of acceptance and obedience constitutes a lack of faith. Since we are saved through faith, then we are necessarily condemned without it. So for us to even say, okay, we want to accept this agreement, it must be something that we do based on faith, based on the fact that we trust that God his intentions towards us are good. That God is a good God. Hallelujah. There's nothing wrong with a covenant being a law of commandment, so long as it is based on the mediator's grace and power to offer forgiveness. That's the good thing about it. Because it, you, the person that is giving this covenant can be trusted. God can be trusted. Can be tr I mean, think about it. God has been the one in charge from the beginning of time. And the world is still, where we, is still here today. How can, he not, how can you not then trust him with just the tiny hundred years that you are going to live on the face of this earth? Amen. God can be trusted. So the new covenant is effective, is effectual because of the cross on which Christ made the perfect sacrifice of his flesh and blood. Number three, the priceless cross. So we've talked about the the, the we've talked about the, pri the priceless creation. We've talked about the priceless covenant. Now the priceless cross. The priceless cross. The cross, together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. This is Ephesians 2.16 that I'm reading. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility towards each other was put to death. Christ was not conquered by the cross, but rather through the cross, he became the conqueror. Remember the stories we read earlier? In uh, verse, um, what was that now? Well, we was talking about the Jews and the Gentiles. And how, what, what differentiates them and their beliefs. The cross is what brings everybody together. When Jesus was dying, he made it clear that, look, 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 I'm more for the Jews, more than I'm dying for the, the Gentiles. I'm dying for everybody. Because now the gates are opened. Now the, the veil has been torn. There's no more, nothing injuring me from anyone that is willing to enter into covenant with me. There's nothing holding me back. There's nothing stopping me anymore. So this was, the, 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 this just shows us the, 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 the pricelessness of the cross. Jesus wasn't the first person to have been killed on the cross or to have been crucified on the cross. But his own sacrifice on the cross was just exceptional. Was all that was required. All that was required. Hallelujah. Ephesians 2, 4 and 7 says, God is rich in mercy for his great love with which he loved us. The surpassing riches of his kindness towards us is in Christ Jesus. Um... So again, when we talk about the cross, although Jesus was crucified on the cross, his death on the cross was determined, was predetermined 
and it was part of a plan of God. Even though it appeared like Jesus did not really understand what was going on, that was when he was saying, please cross away, but your will, not my will, you know? But it was part of the plan of God for my salvation, for your salvation. It was part of the plan. Each time I think about that scenario when Jesus was cross and I and can picture in my mind Satan is laughing and dancing and thinking, oh, I've won, I've won, I've won. I just, I'm like, <laughs> so he, he didn't even know. He didn't even know. But only God knew that this was the price that was necessary to be paid. And that's why he had to pay it. He had to pay it, albeit painfully. Amen. So the cross of Christ, the cross of Christ was not a defeat of God. Sorry, the cross of Christ was not a defeat of God's plan by wicked men. It was God's plan to let those wicked men slay Jesus so that there would be a sacrifice for sins once and for all. Once and for all. No more goats, no more bulls, no more pigeons and the likes that were being slaughtered and, and, and sacrificed over and over and over again. None of that. With the way sins are plenty in the world, so if, if, they are, if, if God had left it that we should be sacrificing bulls and goats, maybe by now there won't be any goats or bulls still alive. We would have finished sacrificing all of them. Because sins in the world is plenty. But Jesus paid the price once and for all. God made a victory out of the cross. Made a victory out of the cross. God proved that the cross of Christ was not a defeat of his plan. He raised Christ from the dead. Through the cross, we too are quickened. We are made alive and raised up from spiritual death. Romans 37, 39 says, Christ, I mean, Christ had victory. It, it explains Christ had victory over death. Death did not have victory over him. Through him, we too can have victory over death, physical, spiritual, and eternal. So when Jesus resurrected, essentially what he was doing when, when the resurrection, after being crucified on the cross, essentially what he was doing was that he was explaining, he was making it real to us that we also, no matter how dead we have been in sin, no matter how, much, how deep we have been in sin, that we can also be resurrected away. We can also be resurrected and brought alive. Hallelujah. We can also be resurrected and brought alive. Okay. Number four, the priceless church. The priceless church. So we've done the uh, priceless creation, the priceless covenant. We've done the pri priceless cross. Now the priceless church. The church of Christ is an important topic in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Ephesians 1, 20-23, I mean, it, it, it talks about the church is the body and fullness of Christ and he is the supreme head, that Jesus is the supreme head of the church. The church is the commonwealth of Israel, the one body, the household of God, and God's holy temple. The church, verse 4, uh, chapter 4 also explains that the church grows up in the truth and in the love of Christ. In chapter five, he also, chapter 5 of Ephesians, he also explains that Christ loved the church as his bride and gave himself up for her. So what, 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 is, the, what is priceless about the church is, is that we, uh, Ephesians 2, Two. I'm. I'm. I'm just picking some. Uh, some of the scriptures now. Um, two, six, and nineteen it says, "You formerly walked." I'm reading the American Standard Version. It says, "You formerly walked according to the course of this world, which is the sons of demons, the children of wrath." Mean what, what, what scriptures is saying here is that every one of us on the face of the earth before Jesus died, we were technically like children of wrath, living in disobedience. Until God decided to come and make us alive together with Christ. And now we are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. God's household means God's 
the church, what we consider today as the church, the people of God. And that's what we are now. So we are a priceless church because God says the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. The only thing challenging God's kingdom is the gate is hell. And God has said the gates of hell will not prevail, meaning God has paid the price also for that. That God has paid a price. Again, that price is priceless, which makes us a priceless church. It makes us a priceless church. And today, because Christ has died, we are no longer children of disobedience because we are now walking in God. Hallelujah. So therefore, instead of being children of disobedience and wrath, alienated from God, we can become sanctified children of God's household and family and the church. Ephesians 2.19 the marvelous thing about being in God's household is that we are entitled to an inheritance with, which Paul describes as the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Amen. So this, this is just very, very soothing. Praise the Lord. All right. The last point, the priceless citizenship. So when we're talking about, I mean, the, 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 the being part of this God's household is closely linked to us being citizens. Uh, Ephesians 2.19 again says, So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens. I'm reading the ASW version again. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are a member of God's family. Citizens along with all of God's Holy people. So this is a priceless citizenship that God has given us. Just imagine every country, every country is proud to, to, to carry their passport or to say, oh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an American or I'm, an, I'm a Nigerian. Even if things are not going the way we plan in Nigeria at the moment. But you see, the reality is that inside of you, you are still proud of who you are. You are proud of our diversity. You are proud of our resilience. You are proud of our intelligence. You are proud of our doggedness. In spite of difficulty, you are proud of the fact that in spite of things not working, we are making things to work. We're still setting records, breaking records all over the world. So you're still proud to be a Nigerian. Likewise, we're reading today and studying today that God has made us citizens along with God's holy people. So we're no longer citizens of this world again, but rather we're citizens of heaven. And our citizenship is explained in, praise God. Yeah. So our, our citizenship is explained in four different ways. You number one, it is our citizenship is a very personal thing. You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. So Paul here was talking to a group of Christians. He was talking to a group of Christians, namely the, the Gentiles in the church of Galatia at that time. So Paul is also expecting each individual to take what he says to art. That is, when you declare and say that you are a citizen of heaven, by, fact of, by virtue of the fact of what Jesus has done for you, God is saying that you must take it personal. Make that citizenship, be personal about it. You, 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 you cannot say, okay, I'm a Nigerian, but at the same time, I'm, I'm, I'm behaving like a Chinese. You, you have to personalize it. So if you believe that, yes, indeed, Jesus died for you and has made you a citizen of heaven, then you should personalize it. Amen. You should personalize it. Hallelujah. Second thing is that about our, about our citizenship is that it is also a precious citizenship. It's very, very precious. The, the, 
why, why is it precious? Is one of the reasons why it's very precious that for for those, while we're on Earth here, if we are um, citizens of a particular country, what makes us citizens of that country is our ID or the passport or whatever it is that we carry on, that we hold onto. Whatever it is that we hold on to as our passport. The good thing about if you the good thing about the, the, the pricelessness of our citizenship is the fact that you don't need to carry a passport to show that you are a citizen. It is endowed on you, and all you need when you get to the border points. If you're traveling on the face of you, when you get to border points, you show a passport for them to grant you access. But for 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 the um, for, for us to be a citizen of heaven, all you need is for Jesus to say, "Is my boy, allow him access." That's priceless. That's priceless. Okay, let me mention at this point that um, if you have questions, we're almost rounding up now. We'll be rounding up probably about five minutes. If you have questions, please send it to any of the chat rooms where you are in. The online uh, pastors will get the questions across to us and we'll attend to it at the end of the teaching. All right, yeah. So we're talking about the pricelessness. The, the pricelessness of the blood of Jesus that has saved us. It makes us to be to be able to take the... to to to. To not, no, no, not necessarily to carry a physical piece of paper to show our identity, but rather have our God being the one saying, his name is in the book of life. His name is written in my hand. It's amazing. Amazing. Glory be to God. Then um, our citizenship also is one that is of a permanent nature. There is no expiry date in our, of our, on our citizenship in heaven. It is eternal. When God says I, you, you are seated with Christ in the heavenlies, he's not saying you are seated with Christ today. Tomorrow you will be moved. No. He's saying you are seated with Christ in the heavenlies for the ages to come. Ages without end. Forever and ever. And ever and ever. So we, we, once we embrace Christ, once, uh, once we understand what the cross has done for us, our citizenship is permanent. It's a permanent citizenship. And finally, this citizenship that we were talking about is a pre-arranged citizenship. It's a pre-arranged citizenship. You didn't, um, God did not just wake up and have a brain, a, a, a flash, a brain uh, wave that, oh, I'm going to save uh, Ifanyi today or I'm going to save Yinka tomorrow. No, prearranged from beginning that this is how I'm going to save the whole world. And your name was part of those that he chose and said he was going to save. Now, as we all know, we have the ability to denounce our citizenship at any time. It's in our hands. It's within our control. We have the choice. We can choose to say, oh, I'm tired of what's going on in this country right now. I'm checking out to Benin Republic. I'm going to become a citizen of Benin Republic. Or anywhere we want to go to. God as a prearranged citizenship for us, which is why he went to the cross to pay the price for that our citizenship. We have a choice to say, okay, we're going to walk in it, we're going to take it, we're going to own it, or we're going to drop it and say, I'm not interested, I have another one I want to work with. On that note, I just want to encourage anybody, for if you're online right now, and you know that you've been living your life like you you um, you are not 
you be living your life as if you are not a citizen of this kingdom. You are not a citizen of heaven. Today is an opportunity for you to get back on track. Today is an opportunity for you to get back in line and take up your citizenship. Your name is already written in heaven. You just need to go and take your seat. So if you're there online, just join me. I'll pray with you right now. But before I pray with you, just go on to the chat box wherever it is you are and just send a message to the online group to the pastor or, or in the, on the online platform, wherever you are. And just tell them that my name is Lagbaja. I want to give my life to Christ. That's all. And they will find a way to reach out to you. Then I'll pray with you right at this point. So if you're that person, just join me and close your eyes and let us pray. Father, I thank you for your son, your daughter. You know where they are, Lord. And you can see them. They are interested. They want to walk in the prearranged plan that you have for them. I ask in the mighty name of Jesus that you accept all of them right now, wherever it is they are, in the name of Jesus. Save every one of them in the name of Jesus. Let their lives be transformed even from now on in the mighty name of Jesus. And let your name begin to be glorified in their lives. Forgive them of their sins. Every wrong, everything they've done in the past, Lord, be merciful upon them. Grant them access into your kingdom permanently in the mighty name of Jesus. Honor and glory be given to you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Okay, glory be to God. All right, so if you have questions, please feel free to send in the questions so that we can, we can tackle it and see how God will help us. Uh, Pastor is here. Welcome, sir. Welcome, hi. <clears throat> How are you doing today, sir? Very well. Very well. Awesome. Awesome. Yes, sir. So, um, do you have something you want to say, sir? Well, well done. I mean, for the teaching, God bless you. Um, I, I, I learned a bit, and I'm sure that a lot of us did too. So, yeah. Well Great. done. Hallelujah. Awesome. I don't know. Is there any question coming in? You know, while, while I was uh, um, while, while I was preparing this, I was just thinking, it's okay. Jesus, it's a popular question that you would assume that every Christian should really, really, really know the answer, you know. Um, Jesus came to save us. Praise God. Before Jesus, all the people that were dying, what happened to them? You know, <laughs> funny enough, I just, I, 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 I mean, I, these are my thoughts, you know, that um, people before Christ, when they were dying, so the, 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 they were, we were all, because we were all born in sin, and of course, we will make everyone feel sin. So we're going to hell. When Jesus died, he went to hell to take the key of hell from Satan and set free all the just, all lawful captives, all the people that were there that were just and lived justly, but did not have the opportunity of salvation. Jesus went and saved them. And you know, this is my own, my own thoughts. So all that millions or billions of people that had been waiting and piling up there, as soon as they were, they they were not really in in hell when they died before Jesus. It, it's as if they were like a like a waiting room, if we could, if we could cut it that way, you know, like waiting room to determine their fate, whether it was heaven or finally condemned to hell. So when Jesus came, he died. He went to set all those people and he took them to heaven, where they are right now. The people that were just that lived. Justly, they didn't have the opportunity of accepting Christ, but they were living a just life. So those people went with Jesus and made them. That's my that's my response. I, I don't know if you want to help me out if I may, if I'm wrong in this. Well, I mean, pretty much that's it. And uh, so um, pre-Christ, 
you are left with your conscience and um and it's it, um and well god's god's election so to speak now god felt that <laughs> a lot of us and a lot of people will not even make it and did not make it so uh, he wanted a lot more people to, to come in. So he says, you need to be left to your good works. Because God will really to mark iniquity, we shall stand. That's mm. what I So he says, I will provide a sacrifice. And that sacrifice will pay for your sins. And there is no bull, no goat, no ram, no sheep that was worthy of that sacrifice, but God himself. So mm -hmm. Jesus came and paid that sacrifice. That's why it, it, it's huge when we say you are worthy of it, of it all. It's, it's really worthy mm -hmm. of it all. It's worthy of our worship. It's worthy of our praise. It's worthy completely. And it's also an insult to now want to add to it you know, like you were saying earlier on, you know, to want to add to the finished work of Calvary with good behavior, to think, okay, if I'm saved, then I need to be good to enter heaven. If you are saved, you will be good because you are saved. But it's not your being good that will make you to enter heaven. The salvation oh. is not complete by itself. Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. You know, uh, my, I, I remember when, you know, when I was young, there was a day, um, I think we were living in Akoka then. It was a day that um, I was supposed to, I, I left school late. I was coming home and um, I think I was in primary school then, maybe I'm three or primary four, I can't remember. But there's this place on the way before I get home where young people like myself used to play football. So I just said, okay, let me branch, you know, as an Ajabal boy in the area. You know, I don't usually play there, but, you know, I had a little bit of skills then. Then, not now, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I decided to just branch and, you know, I'm, I'm painting this picture because someone, okay, let me, someone asked a question. Let me read the question, then I'll continue my story. It says, question, if Jesus died for us, then why do people still do the wrong things these days? You know? So, that particular day, I knew I was supposed to go from school and go home. I decided, oh, let me just watch these people play football. Then a few guys on the team, on the side of the team that were losing, were my friends. So I was watching, and they were like a goal down or two goals down, and I was like, ah, what's happening here? Then one of them saw me. I was like, ah, kule, 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 kule. They just told the coach, boy, old tap soccer. So they brought me in, and to God be the glory, <laughs> you know, I turned the game around, and we won them, you know. And at the end of the game. Everybody carried me, chanting, raising me, hey, kule, kule, you know. By the time I was done with the match, it was already like maybe 5.30 in the evening. Imagine, family four school boy that should have gone home. My parents were already worried, they were livid, and on and on. And when I got home, first thing was, Sheko, Sheko, you are okay. Before the glass goes, glass goes, goes. What happened? I couldn't even lie, of course. All my shoes were and everything were dirty with the soccer and everything. Where am I going with all of these stories? Why do we why do we still keep sinning when we know why do we still keep doing the wrong thing? We get distracted with the affirmations of this world. So I said, okay, long throat, let me just watch the ball. Then some guy started hailing me. Ah, that guy is good, though. He's good, though. I felt good. So when they said enter, I felt very um, useful, very uh, encouraged, very appreciated, you know? To now make everything perfect. I, I was one that scored the winning goal. They were now celebrating me, the whole world. A lot of times we do wrong things because we are. 
desirous of the praise of the world. Mm. We are desirous of the praise of the world, mm. which is not going to get us anywhere. Because by 5.30, when I started walking back home, I was alone. Mm. Nobody was walking with me. Mm. When I was taking my bus, bus, bus at home, nobody was there. Mm. You know? And of course, my parents didn't bring out the shotgun and finish me off one, one time. Again, that is grace. That is mercy. And that's how God also is why he is still patient with a lot of us. Because it's not a bad God that will just bring out the bazooka once to take you out. He's saying, oh, this boy doesn't know. He doesn't know that you are playing in local sets. I have bigger plans for you to play in premiership. Just do the right thing at the right time. Do the right thing at the right time. Don't yeah. go and break your leg in one local league somewhere where I've got yeah. better plans for you. I don't know, like that. Anyway, praise, I, I don't know if I hope I answered the question to the, uh, properly for the person. Okay, there's no other question. Okay, thank you, um, Pastor King. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for right today. So let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, we ask that you breathe upon everyone in the mighty name of Jesus. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. And so shall it be. Amen. In Jesus' mighty name. We have prayed. Amen. So God's for the houses, remember that this is our year of lifting. And we are lifted. Oh, the way, the way, amen. God bless you, man. God bless you too, sir. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you. Oh.